It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 87 237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Thursday morning, the 1st of September. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. The emergency department in Our Lady's Hospital in Navan is to close this month. That's the HSE's plan anyhow. You will remember that the unit was to close on the 30th of June, but a little more than a week before the doors were due to close, the Minister for Health told the Dáil that the plan had been put on hold. I have instructed the HSE not at this time to proceed, not to proceed at this time with any proposed reconfiguration at Cavan. That was on the 21st of June, but eight days afterwards, the HSE board met and decided to close the emergency department in Our Lady's Hospital in Navan anyway. The CEO, Paul Reid, told the board that he expected Stephen Donnelly to order a review. But when the review was complete that they would proceed and close the unit. Minutes from that meeting, according to today's Irish Times state, following the discussion, the board confirmed its decision to proceed with the planned reconfiguration of Our Lady's Hospital in Navan, given the significant serious patient safety concerns. It was reaffirmed that the planned reconfiguration of services would proceed in September 2022. The meeting heard that any correspondence from the Minister on the matter would be considered if received. As I said, that's according to Jennifer Bray reporting on that meeting in today's Irish Times. Now, the HSE was obviously planning ahead on the 29th of June, despite what Minister Donnelly said eight days previously on the 21st of June. We need to allow for meaningful uh, discussion, meaningful engagement with elected members on all sides of the House and other stakeholders, including the community, including the clinicians. We need to assess all of that in the round and then decide where we're going. But I want to be very clear for the reasons I've raised, for the reasons Member of Government have raised, and indeed for reasons raised this evening. 
The government position is absolutely clear. I have instructed the HSE to not proceed with what they had intended to do on the 30th of June. Now, let's speak to local TD and Minister of State, Damien English. A very good morning to you and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. Are you surprised to read the minutes from that HSE board meeting on the 29th of June, stating that this review would take place and when it was concluded that they would proceed to close the emergency department in Our Lady's Hospital in Navan in September this month, in other words. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Uh, two reasons, Michael. Uh, I want to be very clear. It's not closing in September. Uh, and that's absolutely clear. The Minister Donnelly has said it won't be. The government has said it won't be. Uh, Minister Donnelly said a lot of things and hasn't followed through. For example, there, Minister Donnelly said uh, there would be meaningful engagement with all sorts of people, yourself included. When did you last speak to Minister Donnelly? Uh, two days ago. So about, about the hospital? Yes, Michael, about that. OK, tell us what he said. So can I finish the point, Michael? Yeah. So just to be clear, it's not closing in September. You asked me, was I surprised with the HSE board meeting? I'm not surprised. That's old news. I've heard that before. But they've been very clearly told. Uh, no, it's not old news. Uh, I mean, that's a uh, nice. That, that's a, that, that, that's a fair enough. If you want to try and bury a story, that's that's no, fair no, enough. No, it's not old news. Mind it's mind page two of the Irish Times today, and it's news to this program, which has been following this uh, closely as best we can. But we can't get any information because because there's been gagging orders and all sorts of things put on this. So please don't dismiss the news and call it old news, Minister. With respect, sorry, Michael. Just to clarify, sorry, my point was sorry. It's old news to me because that matches up with what Paul Reid said on the radio programme, that he still intended to go ahead despite the Minister's intentions. So sorry, that's what I meant by it's old news. I'm not dismissing the report in the Irish Times or your coverage because your coverage has been excellent and I know you're trying very hard. So what I meant was it's not, it wasn't a surprise to me because I heard the same rhetoric from the HSC before and I've heard it many times over the last 10 years that they intended to go ahead and implement plans in Navan for many years. But the fact of the matter is They've never proven to a minister, or to me, or to you, as a, as a person leading the discussion on this across the airways, that they are ready to do that or to make these changes. Rhetoric Again, from the HS, from the health authority. Uh, are relations with the government so bad, relations between the HSE and the government so bad that you demean their opinion, the health authority's opinion on the safety of patients? No, and Michael, let's be fair, you and I have had this chat many times. I would absolutely not dismiss the medical concerns they have in relation to any of our hospitals and certainly an Avon hospital because I want, as a local TD, the absolute best medical outcome for people I represent. That's number one for me. The issue here is uh, the, the HSE, they have their strategy and their plan and they believe that, that in their view, Navin should be changed with the A&E. They have never, in my view, convinced us that the capacity and the services mm. in relation to ambulance services and other services and other a and are yeah, ready. And the Minister and has commissioned a report, the Minister has commissioned a report to set out the process for doing yeah. that. No, no, the Minister has commissioned a report, which does, yes, it does ask them to set out the process, but it's also asking for a review of top-class medical people that are not part of this decision up to now, a review to assess the reconfiguration plan for Navin. And part of that is, because I'm very clear on this from my conversations with Minister Donnelly, has to tell us what the issues are in Navin and why they can't be addressed in Navin, mm. number one. Well, it's clear on the 29th well as, of June that they, were clear, that, that they were clear in their own minds that they would be able to 
tell you that this week or next week and close the unit this month. Okay. So okay. What, what, what did Minister Donnelly say about this process? What yeah. did Minister Donnelly say uh, uh, about that false statement that he made to the Dáil on the 21st of June that there was going to be all kinds of engagement with all sorts of people when he went to ground and wasn't to be found anywhere and there's been no engagement and obviously another gagging order placed on the HSE? Okay, so, so just to, to recap and to try to deal with the process, I've dealt with Minister Donnelly quite a lot uh, since the Dan meetings in June and well before that, but over July and August, I've spoken quite a lot about this. What he's very clear on, this is a review, to, to a rapid review to assess the reconfiguration plans. It's also to, to assess the capacity in the surrounding hospitals to see if the HSE were given permission by the government to implement this plan, would the, the hospitals be able to cope? We have different medical opinions. When, when did he commission the review? Sorry, Mike, can I just finish the point, please? Well, well, Sorry, well, I don't want to be awkward. But, but, no, I, no, but you are being awkward. But, but when did he commission the review? Well, the, the, the review was, uh, was was agreed to in June. I, I might understand it started in July. Probably I hope it was, sorry, it started in August. It is due to finish okay. before the end. Sorry, so why did the Department of Health officials mislead uh, Helen McEntee, the Minister for Justice? Why did Stephen Donnelly mislead his Cabinet colleague? Right. So the report, the review is due to be completed, I understand, towards the end of September. When did it begin? I understand it began in the middle of August. When I had my meetings with him in July and in August, it still hadn't started. When I spoke to him again this week, it is on the way. Okay. It is starting. Can you, can, understand why, well, can you understand why a spokesperson for the minister told us in the middle of July that it had started? And that we asked the Department of Health and they said to ask the HSE and the HSE said it hadn't started and that it was going to start on the 25th of July. And that right. week, Minister Helen McEntee said the work had begun and the terms of reference had been agreed. When none okay. of that had happened, why is this so confusing? Right, well, so I'll, I'll try to help with that, Michael, if I can. My understanding, because this has been going on for months, so the work feeding into our review has been going on since this all started, and we knew, first discussed this last October. Naturally, we have a lot of questions. I had something like 40 questions and concerns and issues. Many of us had many more as well, including the hospital group. And they've all been worked on as part of the review. The formal review with the terms of reference with this group that we know who are, who are you know, a lot of uh, leading clinicians on it, yeah. and as well as some local GPs who are opposed to these, uh, this plan. So this, this risk review group, I think, formally started the work during August. Well, it's to formally I don't finish. think that's if quite I accurate. Well, well, I can just give you my opinion. Well, no, I know, but I, but I mean, there, there's two uh, GPs on the group. Uh, one of them, Doctor Wan, is in favour, uh, and and the, uh, and the other is Seamus McManamum. And yeah. Doctor McManamum uh, says that the status quo cannot continue. The yeah, unit is not safe. Uh, he'd like to see it built up, but it can't continue. So it's not. Uh, completely accurate to say that he's opposed to closing it. No, no. What, what I'm saying to it was opposed to the the plan that the HSE had put forward as a, as a start. I mean, he said that publicly at the House of Yeah, one of seventeen then. And Dr. Ian yeah. Coonan was opposed. Uh, another member uh, consulted in Lourdes. Uh, we see we've been over this, and yeah, people are so very aware of it all. But but why is Minister uh, Donnelly uh, made himself so scarce? Uh, what has he been hiding from? Right. So, so, Michael, if I just have a minute, please. If I, I've been dealing with Mr. Donnelly a lot, and I spoke to him as recently as this week. So yeah. can I clarify what he is saying and what he is saying to me? He has ordered and asked for this review. For, for Why? Because he is not convinced uh, of, the, of, the, of the HSE's implementation. Do you believe him? Plan. 
Can I finish the point, please? Sorry, but, but, just but, for you, a but you've made that point. You're I, do I, 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 yeah. I think I have to ask you: Do you no, believe him? Consid- considering believe. it appears it mis- Helen McEntee was misled. Okay, so I do believe him. But can I finish the second point? Yeah. So he's asked for the review to, to, to take on board all the medical opinion because there's different medical opinion out there in the different hospitals. So he said, hold on a minute, the government are not agreeing to your plans. Let's have a review of this. Let's get all the evidence. Let's assess the capacity. When that review is complete then, at the, probably the end of September, then the government ministers, including myself, including Pallet and all the other TVs, and I have asked that the hospital group be met as well at that stage. We will then go through the review with all the information that, in my view, has not been presented over the last year, and this then will form the next stage of discussion. Do you so think Minister McIntyre was misled? No, she wasn't misled. I, I, sorry, well, she was on the radio me. saying that a review had started when it hadn't restarted, started. She was on the radio saying that uh, the terms of reference had okay. been agreed and they hadn't been so, agreed. Okay, so listen, I, I myself have had a McIntyre talk nearly every day about Navin Hospital. Yeah. And we're both at one at this. So okay. I'm trying she to she must be up. very annoyed, though, because she was told by the Department of Health that the review had begun. Right, so just to, to, look, Michael, we're all annoyed if there's any confusion on this. This is meant to be clear and it's meant to involve consultation. So what, what I've guaranteed is that there will be, and I said this to Pallet O'Bean at the meeting at the, last week, that the hospital group will be met uh, by the relevant people when this, you know, before any changes are even moved on or implemented. But the review is underway. Mm. On that review, there are some people who, who share my concerns the hospital group's concerns, your concerns and patient concerns about the plans here. So no, my concerns are, are probably different than everybody else's. I'm just trying to get the information so that we can inform so that we can inform people. Why is it so confusing? Why can we not get the information? What has yeah, the Minister so, said about that? Right, so well, I tried to be honest with Michael, I, I didn't ask him why, why there was any confusion. Cause well, I, did, you, I, did, I, did you ask him why there was a gagging order on the HSE? I'm not aware of any gagging order. Are you not? I don't believe there did is. Did you not hear Jerry McEntee in June saying that there was one I, put on the HSE I, I, and it was clear not. that then the gagging order was lifted and the HSE were available every other day to this station and other media outlets and then suddenly they weren't available anymore and obvious, uh, I mean, it's a, a question of putting two and two together uh, but it, it seems that the logical conclusion is that a second gagging order was put on them. Okay, well, Michael, I, I can't speak for any of that. All I can say to you is, <laughs> no one will put a gag in order. Well, do you have an opinion on it? Sorry, no, there shouldn't be any gag in order, because in fairness, I've said from the start on this, and, and in the small hospital review framework 10 years ago, mm. it is very clearly written in there that all these plans and discussions will be open to consultation mm. with the local communities. Jerry McIntyre, in fairness to him, has got very genuine, real concerns, which mm. I have discussed with him on many times. Uh, over the last couple of years and mm. again over the last year. I don't see Jerry McIntyre's gagged. I don't think anyone believes you to gag Jerry McIntyre. Well, Jerry McIntyre yeah. said he was gagged. Yeah. Well, I, all I can say to you is I'm giving you my opinion. I've spoke to Jerry McIntyre a lot, so as far as I'm concerned, he certainly is not gagged. Well, he I, was I, gagged. And he's got concerns. He Michael. was gagged. Right. right, but Michael, can we get back to what we need to do here? No, 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 because you're giving a very bad impression of a um, uh, highly respected uh, member of the HSE who spoke in an official capacity on this radio programme and said he was instructed by the Minister that the HSE was instructed by the Minister not to communicate with the community. Uh, are you saying he's lying? I'm not, Michael. What well, I'm then, what, is, but then do you not accept what he's saying? Right, what I'm saying is I have spoke to Jerry McIntyre a lot. I've heard him discussing this a lot. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't see where he's been gagged. I think the issue here is Minister Donnelly he said uh, he was gagged. 
Michael, can I just deal with what, what I can do? I can't speak for Jerry McEntee. What I'm saying to you is... But you're saying what he said wasn't true. I'm telling you what he said. Right, Michael, that's fine. I didn't hear the interview. I just want to deal with what, what I'm saying to you. I, I understand that during the period of time when Minister Donnelly was trying to have the meeting with all the local TDs, opposition, government, the HSE and everybody else, mm. he wanted that meeting to happen first before any other public airwaves discussions. I very clearly said to you and to Minister Donnelly that I believe that discussions should happen and the media brought into that discussion on the day. So he wanted to manage the story, right. So, okay. No, no, mm. no Michael, mm. I wanted you there. So mm. uh, what I... What I uh, no, not you. No, not, not you. No, sorry, sorry. sorry. I, can, I can only speak for myself, Michael. Yeah. I'm sorry with everybody else. Yeah. Right? So what I asked for and what, what happened then, probably not at the same time, but straight after the, that first meeting we had in June, the media had a meeting with the same officials straight after. I would have preferred it was all the one. And as far as I'm concerned, and I'm very black and white on this, when this review is complete at the end of September, there has to be a very public discussion with everybody around the table, including mm. the media, because I think you're right. People are very confused, but people say to me one thing. They want the best health. Stephen Donnelly really isn't handling this very well, is he? I mean, it, based on what you just said a moment ago, that people are confused. But people are confused. Because Why is the minister is, not explaining it? Well, well I, to be honest with you now, I, I have to say, listen to Minister Donnelly on the doll. He was very clear. He has implemented everything he said he would do. The commitments he gave to me and to Helen McEntee and to others, he has now done that. He has paused this he has put a review in place, and that's where we are. He hasn't spoken to any opposition TDs in this locality since the 13th of June. He has not responded to Mead County councillors who have sought a, a meeting with him. He's not given any media interviews. He said that there would be widespread engagement, that this would be a transparent uh, process, and yeah. all of that is a load of baloney. So, okay, a load okay. of baloney, Minister. Okay, okay. So, so two things. What I have sought from him, and he's given me his commitment on this, a re- a, an assurance that when we have the review and all the facts and all the information on front of us, that he will meet with us again, all opposition and government TVs and ministers yeah. and the hospital group. I can't, I can't explain all right, the okay. relationship with Pat Tobin. I can't do that, right? All right, okay. So that'll be in September sometime. Why has it I, taken I, so long? Because this started in July of last year, didn't it? When the HSE wrote in 2021, in July of 2021, to staff in the hospital to say that they were closing the emergency department. To be honest, Michael, this is going on a lot longer than that. This I know, but in terms of yeah. Stephen Donnelly's management of it? In terms of Stephen Donnelly's management, it's, it's, when it was brought to him in, in the autumn um, with these concerns, he at that stage uh, put a new process in place and he said to the HSE, you need to sit down with all the local reps. In October. Your plan. In October and, of last year. And that's been, and we were going on since that. Yeah. And, and then the HSE met him in November and said, look, somebody's going to die uh, and it still goes on. Uh, I mean, can, 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 a, can, a, can a government minister stand over a dangerous situation like that where human life is at risk? So, so to be very clear, with the small hospital framework, it, it did say, uh, it, you know, it, made, it laid out the recommendations for small hospitals to protect small hospitals and to enhance the services they provided. But it very clearly says that in between, if it's not, if it, if it's not an option to change the services or rely on other, other hospitals for mm. services, you have to put in place intermediary plan. That's what's happening. But now he hasn't. That, he hasn't. You see, this, this, this is the question. Last well, November, if not before that, the minister was told clearly by the HSE that if the unit is not closed, uh, or if he doesn't do something, but if the unit is not closed, 
uh, that there's the risk of unnecessary death and certainly poor patient out- outcomes. Yeah, so, so uh, and here we are a year later and, so, and, and the minister has done nothing, has not acted. Do you think that's uh, tenable? Okay, Michael, can, I, can, I, can I just add to that? Um, there's two issues here. He has been told very clearly by one set of consultants uh, that the best medical outcomes for patients would be to change their arrangements in Avon A&E. He's been told by a different set of consultants that to do that now would not um, give you the best medical outcomes because it would, could result in overcrowding. Not accurate, Minister. Not accurate. No, he's well, been told I, I by the health. Up, yeah. He's been told by the health authority that the unit in Navin is not safe, uh, and then the HSE went to close the the unit for that reason. Uh, and doctors in Drogheda said, "Well, if you close that unit because it's not safe, you're going to make this unit unsafe." And they're they're not quite the same thing. Well, I'll tell you, Michael. I, I think it is. To be honest with you, I'm trying to simplify it here. The bottom line is, um, there has to be. Uh, increased resources one way or the other. It's either in Avon Hospital to, to deal with all those medical concerns or it's in, it's in Drogheda Hospital to be able to take the increased numbers. That's what the, that's what the review is down to. Okay. And as far as I'm concerned, I, and I agree with you on this, there has to be action one way or the other. All right, well, I'm I, reading I, between I, the lines uh, 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 this report in the Irish Times today, and it's uh, reading between the lines, it looks very much like Paul Reid spoke to Stephen Donnelly. They agreed that a review would take place and that after that review, they closed the emergency department. Well, I want to be very clear about that. Um, that's not my view on this. Minister Donnelly has been very clear to me that he has said, pause, and that there's no decision made. The review, okay. let's just even, if we want to go to a process, it was paused. The review is the next process, and at the end of that review, then you and I and the hospital group, Minister of TDs, will be, will be having more discussions and more meetings. And, and that, that's, what, that's where it's at. There's been okay. no decision made. The government are very clear. They have not mm. given permission to the HSE to make changes at Navinade. Okay, just black and white. Ju- just a, a, another issue I want to raise with you in relation to the hospital of Akan, Minister. Uh, the morgue is being refurbished and apparently a section of corridor leading to the male medical ward is being closed off to the public because that's where the remains are being stored while they're awaiting collection. Uh, and staff in the hospital have been in touch with us to tell us that they're concerned about the remains being stored in an area in such close proximity to a main ward that they're concerned that visitors to that ward may stumble across the storage area for... Uh, the corpses for the deceased by mistake while they're making their way to the ward and they're also concerned uh, that if someone dies late in the evening or in the middle of the night then the remains are left in that area until the next morning. Have you any thoughts on that? Uh, Two, Michael. Number one, I don't have any details so I'm not going to give a comment but I give a thought. If there's any concerns like that they should be immediately dealt with. It's black and white for me on that one but I'm not aware of all that or all the facts of it so I'm not going to give any detailed comments I just can't but I'll check it out immediately but if that's the case that needs to be dealt with that, that's not satisfactory for anybody in, in, in this day and age so I, I will certainly deal with that Okay Minister thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning Minister of State Damien English uh, Fine Gael TD for Mead West Michael Reed on LMFM. Now to Sinn Féin TD for Mead West, uh, Johnny Girk, and uh, we'll talk about registering properties in a few moments. Uh, but your thoughts on uh, the hospital this morning and what Minister English had to say to us a few moments ago. First of all, please, Johnny. 
Yeah, Michael. Um, I suppose, Michael, the, um, I was at the St. Navin Hospital meeting the other night and the one thing, Michael, that everybody um, was most concerned about was the terms of reference, where there was um, nothing in the terms of reference about um, protecting and enhancing services that's already there. So in the terms of reference, um, the, what came across the other night was that it was just about... Um, making it um, a level two hospital and moving all services to um, to Drogheda and to different hospitals. So that was the biggest concern, Michael. And we were told that when there was going to be um, uh, uh, the terms of reference and a review, that all these things would be included and they weren't included. Mm. And that was very, very disappointing for everybody that was at the meeting the last night and everybody I've spoke to since and before Are you that. surprised to be reading this morning, though, that uh, the HSE were expecting a review to be ordered in June, on the 29th of June, they met and they were expecting this uh, and they expected that when the review was complete that they closed the unit this month. Yeah, well, it was, Michael. I only heard that this morning I didn't hear, uh, before that, but um, yeah, well, it, it was. And, um, you know, if they're not um, taking on, on board all the things that they told us they would, um, that is that is very disappointing. And, you know, I know um, Damien said there about the meeting, the Oireachtas members, but there's no point in meeting us when it's already done, Michael, when, it's, when, 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 when they're going to come along and just tell us that this is... Um, Things have been put in place at Drogheda Hospital, and um, all services are moving to there. You know, we want um, we want to meet them now, Michael, and put our case. And why is this um, protecting and enhancing services? And what would it cost to bring it up to um, the H or the mm. the uh, safe in Navan? And and these are things that doctors have been asking and that we've been asking. And um, it's, it doesn't seem to be included in the review or in the terms of reference. Well, Damien English says he met with Stephen Donnelly on Tuesday, and the two ministers uh, discussed uh, the hospital and to the future of the emergency department and Minister English is not at all worried. Michael, um, I was talking to those people, Michael, um, so it was a lot um, better at this than I was the other day and they say, Michael, that the terms of references don't be changed, that the HSC will follow them to the letter of the law and if that's the fact, Michael, um, well then the only thing that the HSC is, is, is doing is... Um, is closing the A&E in Navan and moving services to, to, to Drogheda in the, in the review. And it's it's a done deal, Michael, if that happens. And the only way that that can be stopped is for um, Stephen Donnelly or the government to step in. And, and that that's my opinion. OK, well, Stephen Donnelly is in the limelight today. He's from Page News uh, for other reasons, uh, because uh, the minister... Uh, didn't register a rental property with the Residential Tenancies Board. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, Michael, um, I made a mistake myself, Michael. Um, I, 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 I had a property, Michael, that was registered. It wasn't renewed. Um, so um, I, I, as soon as I found out, Michael, I, I, it took me a while because I had to go through um, an agent to do it. But it took me a while. But as soon as I knew, I sorted it out, Michael. It was a mistake. I put my hands up. And, um, you know, I don't think, Michael, that there's anything be, to be gained by me or Stephen Donnelly by not registering a property for €40. Euro. I mean, my properties, Michael, are out in the public domain. I put them out there myself, Michael. I had nothing to be gained. It was a genuine mistake. And I put my hands up. And, uh, you know, it lapsed, Michael. It wasn't uh, that it wasn't um, registered. It was registered. It lapsed. And I, I, I'm 100% responsible for me, no problem that, and whatever the consequence was for it, I would take it, Michael, 100%, no problem. Do you think Robert Troy was treated unfairly? 
Michael, I don't know Robert Troy's um, situation, Michael. I know my own situation, Michael, and I'll correct my own situation, Michael. And, and, and that's what I'm going to do, Michael, is, is, is try and make sure, Michael, that what happened to me won't mm. happen again and do my best to make... Robert Troy, Michael, can talk for himself. Stephen Donnelly can talk for himself, Michael. But I know one thing, Michael, that I most certainly, definitely had nothing to gain by not paying 40 euro to re-register property. I, 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 I registered, Michael, my other properties. I, even, Michael, when I found out, Michael, that my property wasn't registered, I had to go through, and this is absolutely, Michael, no point in blaming, and, and take 100% for it, but I'll tell you what I had to do. I had to go to um, the estate agent, Michael, that looks after it. Uh, I had to go through him, Michael, and it took me days and days and days to get him to um, to... to uh, registers and that was uh, so frustrating for myself, Michael. And but I tell you one thing, Michael, I have absolutely nothing to gain by not paying forty euro to re-register property. Mm, and, uh, I know you can't speak for Robert Troy or Stephen Donnelly, but would you uh, agree with them uh, in, in that these things happen? Uh, Stephen Donnelly says it was an oversight. Well, Michael, it 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 it'd have to be an oversight, Michael, because there wouldn't be anything to be gained, and and that's not making light of it, Michael. Um, I I I I I I done it myself, Michael, and uh, most certainly, Michael, was not done on purpose and a hundred percent. But I don't think, Michael, in all honesty, that Stephen Donnelly, like myself, would have anything to gain by not registering the property. Right. Is Sinn Fein wrong in terms of the stance that it's taking on this? No, I think Sinn Féin is 100% right, Michael. Um, they have to. They can't be soft with me or soft with anyone that um, that that does this, Michael, or that makes a mistake or whatever. We we we're we're setting standards, Michael, for other people. We have to be up to them ourselves. All right, we might just listen to what your justice spokesperson, Martin Kenny, had to say about Stephen Donnelly's situation. How he failed to register. Uh, an apartment he's renting out with uh, the Residential Tenancies Board. I hope that lessons will be learned from all of this and that, uh, you know, all TDs and senators and elected reps recognise that, you know, we can't be the people that are making the rules and at the same time being in breach of them. Uh, but he will probably rectify the situation, I think, back to it, the, the registration. There is a point, isn't there, about legislators, um, uh, you being one of them, Johnny Girk, um, yeah. that if you're going to make laws, you, you shouldn't be breaking them. And uh, not registering a, a property with the RTB is a, a pretty serious offence. It can result in a, a €4,000 fine or six months in prison. Yeah, Michael, it was registered, Michael. It wasn't re- renewed. But um, no, Michael, I'd take, Michael, whatever my punishment was, Michael, I would take, Michael, no problem whatsoever. I agree 100% with what... Um, 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 Martin Kenny said, um, Michael, I mean, like, I, I, I didn't go out, Michael, to break the law. You know that as well as I know, Michael. Why would I register the other properties, Michael, and not register mm. that one? I would, like, it wouldn't do it, like, um, you know, so, like, um, I agree, my, uh, no problem, um, Michael, if, if, if whatever I done, Michael, I would put my hands up, Michael, and whatever is the punishment for it, Michael, I have no problem taking it, Michael. It is, it's, it, you know, no problem, but I don't mm. see, Michael, what is to be gained by me, or I could I could say about Stephen Donnelly, I haven't a clue, Michael, what happened in his case, but you, I'll tell you one thing, Michael, he had nothing gained by not paying 40 euro to re-register. Were you surprised at how Sinn Féin admonished you publicly, saying all rental property should be registered with the Residential Tenancies Board, no ifs, buts or maybes, and that the party, Sinn Féin, has formally spoken with Johnny Gurk and made it clear to Johnny Gurk that the situation with regard to the rental property not being registered properly with the RTB was unacceptable and that any further lapses would result in disciplinary action from the party? 
Michael, look, um, I agree with that, Michael. Um, I, 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 as you said earlier, Michael, we're supposed to be legislators. We don't, go, um, you know, if we don't do it myself, Michael, how can we um, be given out about somebody else, Michael? Mm. So I, I have no problem with that, Michael. Um, but I'll tell you, Michael, I'll do my best to make sure it doesn't happen again. And, you know, uh, it was a genuine mistake. And, you know, if Whatever it is, Michael, I, I rectified it as soon as I could, but it still took me a good while to do it, Michael, because I still had to go through um, the, 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 the fellow who's renting it for me um, to, and get him to do it because he had the details of the people that was in the house, you know, so mm. that's, that's, that's what I had to do. Would you describe yourself as a professional landlord? I, w- I wouldn't, Michael. Um, I, I, I was building, Michael, before I went into um, in, into the doll. That's what I've done, like, um, and 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 um, some of them, Michael, would have been long gone, Michael, and I couldn't sell them, you know. So it's not it's not like that. I I wanted them, Michael, and unless I gave them away, Michael, I, I I wouldn't have been able to pay off the money I owed to the bank. So, but mm, but you're renting out what four properties? Yeah, to quite a, a number of people, obviously, uh, and. Uh, I think the process uh, with the RTB is uh, that they send out reminders. Did they send out a, a reminder to your letting agent? Well, Michael, he said he didn't get it, Michael, and I and I didn't get it, Michael. So, I, like, I, I don't know, Michael. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not blaming him, Michael. It's 100% my fault, Michael. I, um, you know, I, I take 100% responsibility for it, Michael, but I didn't. I didn't um, my, my wife is fairly good at that stuff, and we didn't get um, a reminder, Michael. <laughs> hmm, okay. Uh, and uh, it is registered at this stage anyway. Yeah, it is, Michael. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, look, uh, we'll leave it there for the moment, Johnny. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme uh, this morning. Sinn Fein TD for Mead West, Johnny Girk. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, there's obviously a problem with uh, the school bus in Cullen for the second time uh, this week. We're being asked, what is the problem and why is there a problem? Thank you, Sinead Roach, who's emailed us saying, can you please tell me why children in Cullen have been left without school transport when the transport company being used by Bus Erin has confirmed they have availability for up to 28 people? It's not good enough. Our children deserve much better. Uh, we'll make some calls on that for you straight away, Sinead, and uh, return to it hopefully before uh, the end of the programme. And as I say, thank you indeed. I know it's uh, really, really stressful for parents uh, if uh, your children were expected to get a, a seat on the bus, uh, as was the case, as we heard earlier in the week in Cullen, but uh, somehow something went wrong uh, undoubtedly due to the chaos as a result of the 130,000 applications uh, this year, a record number of applications, and it's still being worked out. Uh, Rose, thank you for your WhatsApp message to the programme. She says, only for Navin A&D and the good doctors and nurses, I would not be here today. It took me 10 minutes to get to Navin. I walked into the A&D and 10 minutes later, uh, I passed out and I was out for the day. The care that those doctors and nurses gave me was tops. Thank you to them. Uh, I'm very well today. Navin needs upgrading to make it an even better hospital, says Rose. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us uh, today. Rose uh, Deirdre says something similar, that they should be investing in the hospital and upgrading the emergency department so that it is safe. John uh, texting us today saying an older man in a car accident was brought to the Lourdes Hospital in an ambulance after a quick check was uh, sent out to the waiting area uh, where he had to sit in a shaken and shocked state. 
uh, and wait. Uh, it wouldn't happen in Navin or in Dundalk, says John. Thank you indeed. Mary Crahan has been uh, emailing us a, a very long email uh, that Mary sent in, but she makes the point uh, that Mead's population has the second highest increased uh, in the country. Uh, compared to other counties in the last census. And the amount of new houses being built around Navan is ridiculous considering the lack of infrastructure in the county. It's the largest town of its size with no rail line to Dublin. At some stage in the last couple of years, 80% of people in Meath were leaving the county on a daily basis to get to work. I don't know the current numbers, but it's shocking. I opted out of the rat race, she tells us herself, in 2015. Uh, She uh, couldn't face another winter driving to St. Vincent's private hospital where she was working Uh, so as a result she had to settle for badly paid jobs. I sacrificed my secure job of 19 years to get a better quality of life. I wish I could have seen out my working days at the job I enjoyed in Dublin in the Republic Meath ranks 5th as regards population with Dublin, Cork, Galway and Kildare ahead of us. They are all set up with bigger hospitals that have A&Ds It doesn't make sense Mary says that Cavan, Offaly Westmeath and our neighbours in Louth have better A&Ds and yet they have smaller populations. It looks like Meath is looked on as a place for living in. Grand if you want to live there but people will have to leave for work, you'll have to leave for healthcare and so on. Why is Meath a third world county in Ireland? The people of Meath deserve a modern fully functioning hospital and the Meath TDs, she says, need to work together to get their county properly resourced. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, it's not just superheroes uh, that wear capes. You remember uh, Leo Radker told us that, uh, I think it was in March 2020, at the beginning of uh, the COVID crisis. Uh, Let's uh, go to Ballsgrove and speak to uh, one of uh, the superheroes working in uh, the Oris Muira Nursing Facility, um, 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 the household manager, in fact, Julia McNeila. A very good morning to you, Julie, and uh, thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme this morning. Uh, And thank you indeed uh, for all of the work uh, that you and your colleagues have done looking after our elderly citizens. Hi there, Michael. How are you doing? We're actually in Beechgrove. Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon, Beechgrove. That's okay, that's all right. <laughs> my, my apologies, yeah. No problem. Uh, but but uh, we were told uh, that not just uh, superheroes wear capes uh, and that healthcare workers were going to be superheroes going into uh, the COVID uh, crisis. And at the end of it all, there was to be a reward. Uh, but you uh, and your colleagues are asking, where is this bonus? Yes, we are, yes. Um, I We contacted you as a group just to, we have contacted the ministers and we have no reply and we're just wondering when, um, you know, when is this bonus payment, uh, you know, is it going to come or... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, we've just been ignored. And we've been on to Nursing Home Ireland as well. They've been constantly emailing the minister's office. And they actually said that it's the only way that we can get them to listen to us would be people power at this stage. So, so, um, that's, so that's why you're here asking people for your support. Um, but uh, a lot of people might think that you already received the bonus. It was to be a thousand euro, wasn't it? It was, yes. Um, private and voluntary nursing homes um, are still waiting, and and that's okay. Um, but if there's some, if there was some communication, and um, there's, there's no communication with Nursing Homes Ireland, and you know, like, it's just not on, you mm. know, really. It's not on. I, I'm speaking on behalf of the staff here in RSWR and also all the other nursing homes that's out there as well. I'm sure they're feeling exactly the same way as we are. And, you know, that we did what we had to do and we did it. And we're still going to be doing it this winter as well because we still have pockets of COVID and... You know, we are here with our elderly. We are we are their family. Um, you know, when visitors aren't allowed, we were their family as well during COVID. Um, we were the ones that gave the hugs. And even though we weren't allowed to do that, mm. but we did. We right. gave the mammy hugs. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they needed the love. Some of them are unwell. And... Like, we can get hugs at any time from our families at home. We can go home to our families, but they're there waiting for the hug. Yeah. It's the isolation, the loneliness. Now, luckily, luckily enough, here in this building, we didn't have any COVID until actually the day that all the restrictions were lifted, and that's when our first case came right. here. Okay, well, so, that's a, that was a great achievement. I mean, it, no and it yeah. was no easy, mm. you know, it, it was... The, the work of the staff together as a team with management mm. that they really did pull out all the stops and you know I can just tell you that you know some of the staff they didn't want to come into work they didn't want to leave their families they were afraid of bringing in COVID they were going home in the evenings in their cars turning off the car before they'd go into the house waiting 15 minutes in their car to get themselves together and then go into their families and give it give their love and attention then mm. and do the same thing over again the next day. And when we have no recognition and Stephen Donnelly won't even answer our mails, won't even come back to us about this, it's a bloody disgrace. It absolutely is. And I'm just absolutely fuming because there's nobody there to speak on their behalf. Mm. And I'm here doing that. Okay, uh, and people are grateful, uh, uh, um, but you've heard all of uh, the laudits. Uh, you've heard, been applauded many times over, uh, but uh, promises uh, appear not to have uh, been fulfilled. Uh, well, they haven't been fulfilled uh, because you were promised uh, this thousand euros, a bonus to say thank you uh, uh, as 
uh, a concrete way of showing our appreciation on behalf of all of the people who I'm sure are very appreciated. But you've written to Stephen Donnelly, the Minister for Health, and in your letter you say, Stephen Donnelly, where are you now? I think I read Stephen Donnelly, where are you now five times in your letter? Yes, exactly. Where, Like when he came out and spoke about the thousand euro, you know, he, he quoted, it, ha- it has been my privilege as Minister for Health during this most challenging period for our health service to witness the first time the commitment, expertise and dedication of our frontline workers. I am delighted to be in a position to confirm this payment to frontline public sector and private healthcare workers. It is a small token of the appreciation and gratitude that my colleagues in government and indeed the Irish people have as a whole for you. Mm. Where, you know, as a government. Mm. Right. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm sure we all heard that. I can't remember exactly when it was, but that's probably why we thought you would receive the bonus. When, when did Stephen Donnelly make that statement? That was at uh, that must have been that was at the beginning of the year. Okay. That was at the beginning of the year, yes. Right. Um, Eight nine months ago, type of thing. Yes, yeah. and at the very end, recognition payment. You have the HSA public health workers and and those you know support staff. Ninety five percent have received the payment. At the end, it's staff in private sector nursing homes and hospitals affected by COVID nineteen. That's at the end. Mm. So that that has not, you know, and there's 576 nursing homes in Ireland, mm. you know. And you really have been following this up and following every utterance that the Minister has made in relation to it. And I see in your email to us that the last time the Minister spoke about this was in response to Niall Collins in the Dáil, and that was in July. That's right, yeah, that, that's, that's correct. That's the last time that it was spoken about when Niall Collins asked the question um, about, you know, the payment to nursing homes. And the answer was payment to eligible workers will be made as soon as possible. Like, what's as soon as possible? Uh, you know, in the business world, we don't use that phrase. You give a deadline and you work towards it. You know I mean, our representatives, you know, they're, they're business people. They're running a country. So they should give a deadline and adhere to it. And if it's not adhered to, give, you know, a reason why it's not adhered to. And there should be penalties for that. You know, like you're running a country and you're running a business. Um, There's no news then since July. Not that there was much news then. No, 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 Mm. no. Okay, uh, and uh, you've run out of options. You feel as though you're being ignored. Uh, well, you haven't been responded to by the minister. No, we've no, no, no when, you know. Mm. And what I'm saying here today, it's a, to whoever's listening, yeah. those ministers that I contacted in loud as well, all of you, that, you know, the deadline, it's the 1st of September today. Mm put it in their pockets by, you know, the end of September uh, into their, you know, wage mm. packet. And as a bit of encouragement to them, you know, we're living in doom and gloom at the moment, just as a bit of encouragement, motivation. And that's all I'm saying. It was promised. We're not asking for nothing, for something that we weren't promised. OK, uh, you don't want applause. 
no, I don't want to club. I'm a manager here. I'm trying to motivate staff and so that they're able to look after our elderly. You know, our elderly here in Ireland, they're, they're, they're like the roots of a tree. You know, they have history. They need to be watered. They need to be so that they can flourish. They're here in nursing homes to live, you know, and we're here to help them to live. So I'm very passionate about that. Yeah. In order for that to happen, staff must be looked after as well. Okay. All right. Well, well put, by the way, Julie. That was lovely. Um, I, I, I know um, that uh, your words will be heard. Uh, I'm sure you know that uh, Stephen Donnelly uh, has chosen not to speak to this programme uh, in recent times, uh, but uh, I've no doubt uh, that officials are listening and uh, they're writing it all down and uh, the transcript will be sent to the minister or to his uh, officials, as uh, the case may be. And uh, I'm sure many of our, our local TDs will hear what you've had to say as well. And the disappointment uh, and how let down you feel uh, after being promised, but that promise not being fulfilled by Stephen Donnelly. That's, that's exactly it. Disappointment. And we're sad. You know, we are sad. Yeah. Do you feel like you were led up the garden path? Uh, you know what I feel? I feel Stephen Donnelly was, you know, making himself feel good by coming out saying, you know, what he said on national TV. You know, let him come out now on national TV and, you know, give a reply. And, and just, you know, be a man. Julie, thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. That's okay, it. Mike. Thank, thank you. you. And nice to talk to you. Julie McNeela, Household Manager at Aris Wirra Nursing Facility, MMM, in Drogheda. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now let's speak uh, to Rose McGowan who is uh, the National President uh, for the Society of St. Vincent de Paul because undoubtedly you've been hearing uh, that Vincent de Paul has been fielding 30 calls an hour from parents who are finding it difficult to, to meet uh, the cost of sending their children back to school. Good morning to you Rosa and thank you indeed for joining us on uh, the programme today. Is that an unusually high amount of calls that you're getting? Absolutely huge. We're out the door. Um, and I suppose, um, look, we always would have had high requests for help with education. But I suppose just the state of the of the nation as such and, and life, um, you know, people are faced with, um, you know, these huge bills for back to school, which has jumped. Mm. Uh, we see even from last year to this year. Um, you know, we might have seen bills in the hundreds, like, you know, or, you know, now it's gone way over 100. We had a bill the other night for children uh, between books and contribution and lockers and everything. It's gone up to 170 euro, you know. Mm. Um, so you can imagine if you have two or three children, like if you're getting bills like that. Mm. Um it's, and it's, I suppose it's, it's not wrong just about. all about education. You know, yeah. it's that uh, people are struggling with food, mm. rent, uh, energy. So it's kind of, it's a combination of everything, you know. Yeah. And suddenly there's back to school costs when you're trying to pay your rent, trying yeah. to... You know, by when food. you're struggling anyway on a daily basis, there's something terribly uh, wrong uh, about such a, a volume of calls to a charity yeah. like St. Vincent de Paul. And everybody, I think, uh, appreciates the work that St. Vincent de Paul does uh, and is uh, very grateful that uh, there is a charity to help people when they're in a, a time of need like that. And you'll always find people in a, a time of need. But uh, at this volume, on this scale... Uh, there's something very wrong with the way we're running the country. Am I right in thinking that you had 450 calls in one day alone? 
Yeah, we look, uh, there wouldn't all be about education. Right. Uh, I suppose since the beginning of the year up to August, um, we have had approximately 110,000, now this is nationally, 110,000 calls. Now for the year last year, we had 190,000, but we're only at August, so I can see this going over 200,000. Now, look, that's what we're there for, is to help people, and need is the only mm-hmm. criteria. But it's worrying that um, all of those households and people kind of say, oh, it's people on social welfare, it's single parents, it's this. It's everybody. We're like people on low incomes are paying rent and mortgages and have loans for maybe a car or something that they were all able to afford, you know, when the cost of living wasn't at the at the rate it's at, like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, when you think that we probably, on general things, including... Um, education mm. um, would have spent you know 35 40 million last year like it's huge huge money yeah. now out of that um, like people ring in and they say um, you know I need help with education but when you go to the house they need help with education because other things and I'll just give you an example mm. uh, I rang a lady last week to make an appointment her call came in and was logged uh, I can afford to get one child back to school. Could I help? Uh, can I have help with the second child? So anyhow, um, made the appointment, off we went. And um, I said, are you sure you can help with the second child? And she said, no, no, I have her done. And I could have afforded my other child, but my washing machine broke. Right. So, there, uh, you know, that's an emergency. Otherwise, there's huge money going out in laundrettes, mm. etc. So uh, there isn't money there for when something like your washing machine. So she was faced with well, I need to get my child back to school, but I also need a washing machine. Now, as she said herself, she would have paid for the child had we not come up, you know, with Mm. with stuff to help her. But, like, she'd made a huge effort. She was ready with one child, and here she's faced with this crisis, you know. Okay, and would the community welfare officer not be able to step in? Yeah, we would refer people to the community, but they don't Mm. pay the full cost, like, of a washing machine. Right. So, So, so when you you, you get a call, like... That's just an example, like... Um, of of what happens, you when, know. When you, you get a call like that, Rose, though, uh, what happens? Do you go out to, to to meet the person on every occasion? Uh, oh, absolutely. Oh, really? Now, during COVID, mm. yeah, during COVID, we weren't obviously, so we were dealing with them on the phone, which is quite yeah. difficult. Like, because we're a, an organisation who where people invite us. We're so lucky; they invite us into their homes. You can sit at mm. the kitchen table, and you can discuss everything. And that's actually where you assess the need correctly. You're, you're, vet, you're vetting the calls, uh, well, in other words, I suppose. You well, know, you're listening. You're listening mm. and you're seeing how we can help or yeah. how we can work together. I take it you the get problem. the odd chancer, as you do in ah, life, uh, and uh, yeah, I take it you get people who are spending life, but you're, yeah. we're experienced at that. Well, yeah, well, I suppose that's the point. Um, uh, um, and, I mean, you've obviously hundreds of volunteers doing this who are well experienced at it. Um, yeah, we have, but, um, you know, we're facing, like a lot of organisations, we are fa- facing a recruitment crisis. Mm. You know, COVID came, people were cocooning, uh, we, uh, we're we an ageing society, I think, um, and, um, you know, people are a little bit afraid about coming back. So we would have lost quite a substantial amount of members. We're doing a survey on how many we've lost. So we're always welcoming members, you know, and we had a small recruitment campaign earlier in 
in the year, mm. kind of preparing for when COVID, when we could open up. Okay. And we will um, now in the winter time look again. Okay. So if there's anybody listening, we'd yes. be delighted. Yeah. You know, and training, we train them, and they'll always, not to be worrying, they'll always visit with an experience. Yeah, well, it's a grand opportunity to get that message out to people now. Uh, if people want to become a St. Vincent de Paul volunteer, uh, what do they do, Rose? Well, they can um, either phone to their local office, which they're all up there on the website, or they can just send an email in and we will uh, direct them to the correct person. It must be very hard work, though, is it? Uh, I mean, when no, you're seeing... it's not. It's is not. it not? No, when um, you're seeing no, people in such busy, genuine stress. It's very busy, but yeah. it's not hard. And I suppose we get more out of it. Look at, you know, you appreciate your own life when you're, when you're in houses with people who are struggling and and kind of juggling. Like, our ad campaign last Christmas was impossible choices. Well, they're sure impossible now, like, you know. Mm. So one week you'll do your grocery shopping and big grocery shopping, and then next week you'll say, well, I'll cut back on food. And I mean, like, we're a wealthy country as such if you're looking at the world. Mm. And here we have people in food poverty, huge Mm. food poverty. And then next week you'll say, oh, my God, the... Uh, energy bill has come in I better pay something off that and I won't be disconnected mm. then the following week the rent is due I better pay something there so it's all this juggling mm. um, that's really stressing people and that leads as well like we talk about food and rent and energy and education but in fact we never associate those things with health and like the stress of it and yeah. mental health issues like I don't know how some people go to bed because if we even think of ourselves if you've had a bad day and you go to bed thinking about it mm. you tend to wake up with the same thing there as if you've never slept yeah. like people are going to bed worrying how am I going to pay for my child you're, you're, you're a strong person and your volunteers are obviously very strong people as well because you know the, 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 the likes of me would be thinking I can't sleep tonight because I'm worrying about the person that I, I met who's in that situation without being in that situation myself I, I think yeah, the work must be very stressful well it, look it depends on, on the kind of person as you say yeah, you are well, <laughs> but I think what we need to leave every house is we need to leave them feeling positive that we're here for them now we're going to sort this together we're here to support you and when you leave with that you feel well you've done what you can mm. you know and um, you know helps them to kind of look at things and we we would kind of um, cooperate with other organisations like yeah. labs yeah. and yeah. you know alone for elderly and you know it's all about working together like yeah. really uh, and uh, have you been able to help uh, everybody who's contacted you all the genuine calls uh, that you've received this year oh gosh yes really we, yeah. we, we look at you know the public the Irish public are just amazing um, and we have corporate donors as well and I suppose it gives me an opportunity to say thank you because we couldn't do it on a you know, people support us now. You know, I'm kind of a positive person, so I always feel the money will come. But we do need people, obviously, mm. uh, donors all the time. But okay. I mean, people are are very generous. You know, and I make I accept that people themselves are struggling. So mm. you know, well, that's we it. Hope uh, that the do- that the donations keep coming, and then we can keep working. Well, with, with inflation at almost 10%, everybody's taking a 10% pay cut, if yeah. you like. So everybody is down if they're not struggling. They're certainly, um, they've less money uh, to play with as uh, such. Uh, but when you're working with so many people, 
uh, and you're so close to all of these problems all of the time. Uh, it, it must uh, be very difficult, uh, as we were saying. But are you surprised this year at how many calls you've received? Because that, that 30 calls a day or 450 calls on one day, and most of them, or a lot of them to do with the cost of going back to school, uh, comes at a, a time when the government tried to help people by increasing the back-to-school allowance. Yeah, and that was a great help. It's an extra €100 euro for primary and secondary, but it doesn't cover it. Um, if you take, if you're an, if you've a new pupil going into secondary school, you're talking a thousand euro between uniforms, tracksuits, runners, school bags, um, all sorts of things, lockers, voluntary contribution, which is the bane of our lives. Mm. So, um, you know, you're talking upwards of a thousand euro, like you know, um, yeah. Did, did, did you see but the hundred euro? We were very, we were very yeah. positive about it. Look at. Everything helps, like there's no mm. doubt about that. And to be quite honest, I wouldn't like to be uh, the minister that's going to produce a budget. It's really, mm. no, you know, no. it's a difficult time too. We have a difficult yeah, it's a right, time. Right, 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 Did you see the ads? Uh, one of the supermarkets uh, were selling school uniforms, uh, I think, for primary school children for seven yeah. euro. Seven euro. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you see, that was for us, uh, it was that, you know, that extra hundred. We knew. Um, it, they could afford the the uniforms would be fine, but it's then it's all the extras that that um, maybe mm. that doesn't cover. You know the books, and now a lot of schools are looking for tablets. You know and mm. iPads. Like you know, mm. parents can't afford all of those. Or or, the, or some schools won't accept those uniforms. Yes. Yeah. Well, they they might mm. accept the the pinafore, mm. but not the jumper they want. But in fairness, I want to be really fair to schools. Sometimes it's also parents who like to have yes. um, mm. a crested jumper. So we need mm. to be fair here. Like, yeah, you know. the old school toy attitude. <laughs> yeah. 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 But look, that's life. That's life. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're looking for volunteers. Uh, you're looking Absolutely. for donations as always. I am and, indeed. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, you're there to help all of the people. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank God for St. Vincent de Paul. Rose, thank you indeed. Not at all. Thank, Thank you, you very much indeed. Thank Bye-bye. you. Rose McGowan is uh, the National President of uh, the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. If you're waiting on a hospital appointment, it could take some time before you're seen. Indeed, uh, the Irish Hospital Consultants Association says it could take 15 years to clear the current backlog of deferred care. Let's speak to Martin Varley, who's Secretary-General of the IHCA. And a very good morning to you, Martin, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. And there's more or less a, a million people uh, on waiting lists at the moment, is there? There are. And, you know, this has been going on for years and it's unfortunately deteriorating and the numbers are going up. Uh, our members and the association are very concerned that the hospital capacity deficits are just not being addressed as they should be. There's not enough urgency about expanding the, the hospital base, uh, filling our vacant consultant posts to allow us to actually treat patients on time. So that's first and foremost a major concern for the population mm. and the patients on the waiting list. It's a concern for our members because uh, nobody wants to be uh, seeing a patient later than would otherwise 
be possible and better for the patient. Mm. Okay, and well, you're saying the budget is the opportunity to sort out this problem. Uh, I think the actual figure is 907,617 people, but we're talking about almost a fifth of the population. Uh, could these be uh, appointments that aren't really necessary in a lot of cases? There's, there's always a slight possibility there's some duplication. A right. patient might be on a list for hospital X and also be on a, hosp- on a list for hospital Y, but I understand the HSE and the hospitals try to verify the list and mm. reduce that insofar as they can. I thought the other thing, just to put it in context, yeah. and I, I think sometimes our public hospitals, uh, are we hear all the bad news about them, but over 6 million patients or people receive medical and surgical care in our public hospitals every year. So a lot has been delivered by our public hospitals. We're just short in capacity to get to those 900,000 patients. Um, So what we're saying is the budget must really provide the capacity we need or else it'll perpetuate the problem and it'll go on and go on. And we estimate even with uh, trying to get more patients through, increased throughput, <clears throat> with existing capacity, it could take 15 years before we can clear the backlog, and that's okay. no good to anybody. Okay, did I hear Minister Stephen Donnelly announce uh, last week or, or, or the week before that uh, 50 new consultants were going to be recruited? Um, uh, I think that's what I heard, uh, but uh, yeah. you're, you're saying that there's 882 vacancies. There are. Do you see, they have been approving additional consultant posts in the recent years, and so that's a response to our request to ensure that a number of consultants is increased to reflect the European average, because population has gone up, but we're always way below the European average. So as they have uh, approved more posts, the number of vacancies has gone up and up. Why? We can't get people to come back. Uh, The reason being, government decided back in 2012, so almost a decade now, uh, to discriminate against the new appointees, and that's driving them away, and we can ill afford that. We trained them, we invested in them, they would stay. But they know themselves uh, it's very difficult to work in a hospital. The job is much more onerous than elsewhere because of the lack of capacity. But on top of that, the government decided to discriminate against them. And we're saying rectify that, but also, and very importantly, that's referring to pay. That's referring to pay, is it? It's referring to pay. It it Mm. was a unilateral cut just imposed on consultants back in 2012 by Dr. James Riley, who was the Minister for Health. And it made no sense at all. It's proven to be an absolute false economy. People will argue, of course, Martin, that you're some of the highest paid earners in the country. Well, I, I understand that and I appreciate mm. that, Michael. But uh, the difficulty is other developed economies are moving ahead of Ireland much, much more quickly, attracting away highly trained specialists. But not only that, they're giving them the resources so they can treat their patients in time. Mm. So the double benefit as to why people go. Mm. Nobody wants to be in a job where you can't treat people in time or can't perform to your optimum. Mm. We need to fix these two problems. They're entirely fixable. And There's another and reason I think though that consultants are leaving, and that's because of uh, the chaos uh, that people experience uh, working in uh, the hospital system in uh, this country and the stress levels that go with it that don't exist in other countries. Uh, and if you're short 882 posts, uh, that compounds that situation. It does. The shortage of consultants compounds the difficulty in trying to deliver the care in time. The shortage of beds, the shortage of theatres, the shortage of diagnostic equipment, the list goes on. Mm. And we 300 have not beds short, is it? Well, compared with the 2020 budget, they promised they would deliver an additional 1,140 or so beds. Uh, by the end of 2021, we're still short over 300 of those beds. They're making slow progress, but... In reality, 
our beds are way below the European average and we estimate by 2030, along for the population we have and will have by then, uh, and trying to get us up to the European average, we would need about 5,000 additional beds. How would you do that? Uh, I mean, would that not be the equivalent of 10 hospitals or so? I think the way to do it is you scale up certain sites and add capacity where you can use it effectively. Um, so we're not talking about building new hospitals, which maybe you would in certain circumstances. Cork is probably a prime example where they need a new hospital. Galway might be a prime example. Mm. Drogheda has been expanded quite well in recent years, and that's very welcome and is in a position to treat more patients, but still it has insufficient capacity. And Navan has its own issues, and there are all these questions about, well, what's the best service to deliver in Navan? I don't want to get into that today mm. because sure. that's been debated long and hard. But you need to do this in a very business-like manner, in a very effective manner, mm. such that you deliver it. But I've been in this job for the best part of uh, 15 years. Mm. We've been raising the same problems. The footprint of our hospitals hasn't really changed much. And dare I say, the footprint hasn't changed much in decades. Yeah, well, absolutely, because there's been a, a lack of investment. And I'm not going to drag you into the Navin Hospital debate about the emergency department, but it is interesting to remember back to 2008 and uh, the Teamworks consultants who recommended uh, that there would be a new hospital for the North East. A separate group then recommended that that would be in Navin. Uh, and you're talking about uh, the equivalent of eight or ten hospitals when you talk about 5,000 beds. Um, but uh, I suppose that sort of tells it, 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 its own story and that that debate wouldn't be taking place if that investment had occurred. But people will remember back to 2008 and the crash and Dermot Ahern, the Minister for Justice at the time, infamously telling this programme that there wasn't a red cent in the Exchequer to build that hospital. Uh, there hasn't been many red cents since, it would seem. No, there hasn't. And in fact, it's ironic. One of my first meetings when I joined the Irish Hospital Consult Association was a meeting in, the, in, in relation to that proposed hospital. And let's be honest with ourselves. The country is not good at actually putting infrastructure in place in the health service. The country proved itself very good at actually developing our road structure. Uh, why are we poor at actually doing what is needed to be done from a public hospital point of view is a very serious question. I don't have the answer to it, but we are failing miserably in terms of doing the obvious, in terms of investing in our public hospitals so they can do exactly what happens in other developed economies. And that's hugely important that we get that right so that our patients get proper care as such that we can recruit and retain staff who will want to work there because they know they can do a good job. But that's the big conundrum. Why is it I struggle to be sure, and I'm not going to speculate on the areas with mm. you, but that is that is a root cause problem. Mm. No, it's uh, political, I think. I think it's to do, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of opinions on it, but I, I think it's to do with the system of taxation in, in uh, this country, uh, and that's uh, because of political decisions that are, are made because people don't want to pay higher taxes. So it comes back to the people, really. It could be that, but you know what, there was a, a golden opportunity for the last decade where international credit was available at very low levels and negative rates, and Ireland could have accessed that credit, and that way you would, could have put your capital infrastructure in place. Okay, to be a capital bill, it's like getting a mortgage in a house, but if it's zero interest rates, as it would have been to the state for a good number of years, it was an ideal time 
to build the capacity. Mm. Of course, you'd have to staff it, and that's where your tax costs come in. Okay. Well, the government of the day is going to make decisions now on how it's going to spend 6.7 billion, I think, on the 27th of September when it makes the budget announcement for the year ahead. Uh, as you say, there's a million people on waiting lists. Um, it'll take 15 years to clear it. Uh, there's 882 permanent posts not filled. 300 hospital beds promised that weren't delivered. We will need 5,000 hospital beds by 2030, according to the IHCA. So what steps would you like uh, the government to take uh, in the budget next month? What we want the government to do is to realistically fund the service, but also actually fund capital investments along the lines we've been discussing. So deliver the budget, give us the resources, give us the capacity and give us the consultant numbers such that we can actually uh, provide timely care to patients. That involves uh, including the ending of the discrimination against new appointees because we're competing in a very highly competitive global market, in particular with other developed countries who are moving way ahead of Ireland in addressing issues like that. Like that. They don't discriminate against their new appointees. They give them all the resources they need. That's what we're competing with. And our politicians have to actually ensure we have that in this country. This is about patient care. We don't want 900,000 patients on waiting lists. Okay, Martin, we leave it there. Thank you indeed for joining us on the programme today. Thank you. That's Martin Varley, who's uh, the Secretary General of the IHCA, the Irish Hospital Consultants Association. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now, from the budget demands of some of the highest earners in the country, the hospital consultants, to the budget hopes of some of the lowest earners in the country, that's if they're earning at all, and how family carers are saying that they should be a priority in next month's budget. So let's speak to Catherine Cox, who's Head of Communications and Policy with Family Carers Ireland. A very good morning to you, Catherine, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. Hard times indeed, harder times ahead. Uh, What are you hoping to hear uh, on the 27th of September? Uh, Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Um, Yes, look, we are hoping that government will listen to the 500,000 plus family carers across the country and that they will put supports in place in this budget. Now, we're hopeful every year and unfortunately, carers are so often that hidden front line and that army of workers that don't get uh, what they're looking for in budget. But we, we are asking in particular for the carers allowance, which is the weekly payment that is paid to just one in four carers mm-hmm. across the country because it is a means test of payment. So we are calling on government to abolish the means test and that carers allowance should be paid based on the needs of the person providing requiring care and based on the care being provided by the family carer. So that they would and be we, paid for their work, in other words. Exactly. Mm. And that the the rate of that payment has to increase. It is currently the top rate is €224 per week. And I keep saying this, the the unemployment uh, payment was set at €350 per week because government and our country realised people couldn't live on less. Mm. Yet family carers who get carers events are expected to live on immediately. 224 euro per week. So we have to see the rate of carers allowance increased 
and we need to see in the longer term the means test completely abolished so that every carer providing care, whether that's and particularly those providing full-time care, many 24-7, that that is recognised and supported. Okay, well, as you say, 500,000 people caring for uh, people. There's a lot of people who need to be cared for. Uh, and the budget, I, I think, is uh, going to be a 6.7 billion euro package. Uh, but mm-hmm. if, if all of the people caring for uh, predominantly family members and loved ones, I, I take it, in this country, if they weren't providing that care, uh, it would cost the state 20 billion euro, you estimate, to look after them. Absolutely. And I mean, that's a very um, modest estimation. That's based on the carers just providing 40 hours per week. We know many are providing far more. So the savings of the state is 20 billion. But also, they, family carers are keeping loved ones out of hospital, out of respite beds. They want to care for their loved ones at yeah. home. But, you know, they cannot do that without the support. And that's the health support, but also that financial uh, support as well. And, you know, our other, I suppose, big ask in budget as well is there are 110,000 children in this country on waiting lists for vital therapies, support and disability services. Many are on waiting lists for more than two years for um, for speech and language, for OT, occupational therapy, for physiotherapy. Mm. Those children are being left on those waiting lists and the longer they wait for those therapies, the less they will develop to their full potential. And that is storing up more costs in the future for government because they will require greater health services. They will require far more support. So we are saying to government they need to tackle that that as an emergency. And we have put forward a solution they can use the National Treatment Purchase Fund to actually pay for those services. They do it already where people are on waiting lists for hip operations, for eye operations. We are saying use that in for a year or two years just to bring down that waiting list and tackle that as and that really is a crisis in our health services at the moment okay uh, it's always been difficult I think for people to decide uh, to care for someone themselves or if life becomes difficult after making that decision is it all the more difficult these days because I think everybody's feeling the pinch uh, we're hearing from Vincent de Paul and the volume of calls that they're getting. And it seems to be across the board, Catherine. And uh, as you say, on €224 a a week, if you're even getting that, uh, I take it it's very difficult. It is. And look, family, where you have somebody being cared for in a family, your heating costs are going to be higher, your electricity costs are higher, your diesel is higher because that family care is bringing loved one quite often to medical appointment, to hospital, um, to day services where no transport is provided. So the bills and the, the rising costs in electricity and heating are all having a huge impact on family carers as well. And even the fact that the care is allowance for those who do get the care's allowance, it is not an eligible payment for the fuel allowance, which is incredible and so unfair. So it means that carers don't even get the benefit when the fuel allowance was increased over the last number of months. So that is something we have also put uh, to Minister Humphreys very recently. And look, to, to say as well, I suppose, that last year was the first time that we saw an increase in the income disregard um, for the carers allowance. 
that's the first time in 13 years and we welcome that with mm-hmm. Minister Humphreys so I do believe there's a will to do um, something more as well but we really need to see that done this year we cannot and family cares cannot keep being put on the back burner um, you know quite mm-hmm. often government and we meet politicians and they say how wonderful carers are and mm-hmm. but that's not enough you know really we need action now we need adequate support put in both financial support but also those services put in like respite so mm-hmm. many family carers have not had a break in three five years some will tell us 10 years imagine working and not having a break from that in that length of time so so all of those things have to be looked at we need to look at at family carers not as somebody who are relying on the state through social protection to to fund them but rather they are contributing to our health services they're contributing to our society and we need to support them to allow them to continue to do that safely I like the description you use for the 500,000 people who are providing care to people in family homes uh, across the country an invisible army you say yeah very good uh, absolutely and you know as I said many doing it 24-7 they want to do it but cannot do it on their own and they shouldn't have to and that's why it is so important as a society we recognise but we value and we support them okay. I think that's the key message to government thanks Catherine good to talk to you as always Catherine thanks, Cox Michael. Head of Communications and Policy with Family Carers Ireland thanks to Carmel MacDonald who's been whatsapping the programme she says the narrative about Navin Hospital needs to move away from whether Drada Hospital is ready for Navin to close. The bigger picture of lack of access to a health service for people in Meath and the North East region due to a lack of capacity in the system nationally is being sidelined. The system is bursting at the seams. The IHCA, the INMO are continually warning about the crisis. Meath needs a fully functioning regional hospital and is well placed to be part of the solution in providing capacity. We need this vision and ambition expressed by our elected reps. The Department of Health and the HSE need to forward plan based on the known statistics and the recent census. The threat of closure needs to be erased from all of these documents, Carmel says. Thank you for that, Carmel. Thanks too to Francie also WhatsApping saying, I just want to say how disappointed I am in yourself, Michael, and giving airtime on the business dealings of these worthless people in charge of our country in the form of Donnelly and the likes. Uh, Sinn Féin are no different, responsible for destroying cohorts of our young generation. Honestly, who wants to know? Isn't this what they do? Don't you know that? Please stick to the real issues that affect ordinary people on a daily basis, says Francie. Thank you, Francie, for that. Uh, A Mead listener saying, I care for my family five days a week and I, I don't get paid at all for it. Margaret says, what has the government's present and past got against County Meath? Why is the least underfunded county in the country in everything? Why are we not entitled to a fully functioning hospital in the county with a population of its size? Why is the HSE still going by a report that was done 10 years ago when Meath is not the county now that it was back then? Why should we be herded into other overcrowded, unsafe A&Es and left waiting for hours or days to be seen? If the HSE is really serious about safety for our patients. They'll upgrade our ladies' hospital, says Margaret. Thank you for sharing that with us today, Margaret. Thanks to everybody who was in touch. That's our programme for today. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye.
The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 660 4237. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.